0: You're listening to Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher on Lead to Soar, bringing you the best leadership advice and mentorship from around the world. Learn more at leadtosoar.com.
1: Hey, Michelle, good to be with you again. You too, Mel, for more questions about questions. I love it. You posted an uh, an article in the Lead to Soar Network from the BBC, and it's, titled, Why Are Women Less Likely to Ask Questions in Public? And a couple of the studies that they cited showed that indeed women ask fewer questions in these public settings. And one study said women are two and a half times less likely than men to ask a question. And I love that they gave this academic setting question and answer sessions. Aside from the humor of that name, talk to us a little bit about why does this matter why does it matter that women don't speak up so much in these settings where they can ask questions
0: well i want to take a step back and say when as business leaders what we want to do is harvest the collective wisdom of all of our people our goal as business leaders is to assemble a workforce of humans with different lived experience. And we want not just to assemble a group of numbers, people from different or diverse backgrounds. What we want to do is then harvest that. And the way to harvest that, Mel, is to have an inclusive culture. And an inclusive culture means that I am very willing to and feel comfortable to share my ideas, my thoughts, and my questions. And questions and curiosity is at the absolute foundation of innovation and continuous improvement. Just think about if you've ever had a small person in your home, what do small people, particularly those around the age of two to three, do a lot of? They ask a lot of questions because they want to learn more about the world, about what their place is and how they navigate the world. When we encourage the asking of questions, when we encourage curiosity, it can often help us go, hmm, yeah, right, okay, shivers, why do we do that? If you've ever been asked a question by a new hire in your organization, so why do we do that, Michelle? Ah, it's a great question. I don't really know. Yeah, I don't really know why we do that particular process, whatever it may be. I'm going to go and find out why we do that. And suddenly you might go, actually, why do we do that? Should we stop doing that? Should we continue doing it? I don't know. So, We want people to ask questions because it will help us to be better. It's also going to help the asker of the question to become more competent, to become a part of the team, so on and so forth. So questions are really important. As a woman in an organization, if you're only hearing questions, or as I sometimes call them, interjections, because often they're... Sometimes there's a lot of people who don't like to ask questions in Q&A, they just grandstand and kind of put their own view forward, disguised as a question, but that's a whole other conversation. But if we're not hearing questions from all of the people in the room, are we really getting to the heart of the matter? Are we really getting to interrogate the matter at hand from all viewpoints? And are we helping all of our people gain a shared understanding of where we're heading? So it's really important that all people get a chance to ask questions, Mel, but we know that that's not always the case.
1: Right. And I think this is a reflection from our previous episode. Has the organizational leadership created an environment where all people in the company feel safe enough and comfortable enough to ask questions, particularly tough questions?
0: Yeah. And, you know, to ask a tough question. So listeners, think about a time when you've ever sat in a, whether it's a meeting or a town hall any kind of environment, you thought, geez, I'm not feeling very comfortable about that, or I really don't understand who made that decision. And you've thought, I'd really love to ask that question, but there's not a chance in billio that I'm going to put my head up, and, or my, let alone my hand, and ask that question, because this is not safe. I might get judged. I might get told off. <laughs> I might get fobbed off. Or I just won't speak up because this is not a safe environment for me. So if you've ever felt like that, maybe there's a trust issue, maybe there's an inclusion issue or both in the organisation. So for the folks who are in leadership positions, think about what are the mechanisms that you're providing people to ask questions in a way that suits them and is going to help you continuously improve, innovate, remove risk all that kind of stuff. I'm kind of getting into solution mode now, Mel. But the question that I'd absolutely ask you to all stop, breathe and reflect on right now is, who's asking all the questions in my workplace? I want you to just think about, do I get questions from the same folks all the time? Do they share characteristics? Or am I getting questions from all of my team, all of my team members, all of the time? And if you can't answer that, now's the time to try and answer that because if you're only getting questions from one group in your organization, you're missing out on harvesting collective wisdom.
1: So some of the solutions here that were put forward in the article, being deliberate about selecting women to ask questions, that can be important when you've got that audience situation where people are raising hands. I really like these two. Providing short breaks before a q and a session, so people can consider their questions and just longer q and a durations generally,
0: yeah, and the other thing too on top of that is become a skilled moderator, become a skilled facilitator, and a skilled facilitator means you're on the lookout for the blowhards who take up space and Mel, in the article I wrote, I was recounting what you told me about the behavior of someone at a keynote that you delivered, and this man grandstanded and took over the mic, and, took up all of the question time space and kind of set the scene, right? I mean, it's your story, you can tell it, but it really set the scene and didn't create an environment for others, including women, to step
1: forward, right? I think I remember which one you're talking about. So I had a situation after a presentation where a man stood up ostensibly to ask a question, but ended up monologuing in disagreement with me and wanting to share his experience with the audience as if an anecdote could override all of the actual experiences and facts of barriers that women face in the workplace, which was the topic. Yeah, sample size of one. Right. Thanks, dude. Yes. What was worse was that this person, he made a really sexist statement without any substantiation, mind you. And it made almost everyone in the audience groan. So he said something like, I just don't think women are earning the right degrees to land these advanced positions in leadership. Literally, men and women groaned. One woman just got up and left. And it was a situation where, oh gosh, it's like that New Yorker cartoon, I think it was, where the man says... uh, let me interrupt your expertise with my confidence or something like that. <laughs> yes, yes. And part of this, folks, is in, when
0: you are leading, facilitating and moderating sessions, and whether it's a Zoom or a team meeting, a town hall, or even something bigger like a keynote that Mel delivers in a large environment, if you're not confident to deal with the blowhards, ask for help from the conveners and say, I need for your microphone runners, because in a big environment, there'll be a microphone runner. I want you to look to me to see who's going to get the first question. So number one, we go to a woman or another underrepresented person first. We don't go to the middle-aged white man. Sorry, middle-aged white men, but you've taken up enough space. So we're going to go to them first. And then we're also going to have someone who can intervene and say, hey, thanks very much, dude. We're out of time. We're going to go to two more people. and then But you can come and see Mel afterwards to expound your enormous wisdom. So if you can't do that, ask for help from someone else to do that. But leaders in your own environment right now, there's two things. So number one, you want to harvest the collective wisdom of all of the people around the table, whether it's a virtual or in-person table. Number two, it is extraordinarily important from a fairness and equity perspective that women have their fair chance to demonstrate their business strategic and financial acumen. Because often this is a way in town halls of, of saying, hey, thanks CEO for giving us the quarterly updates. I'm really curious. We saw a revenue dip in quarter two. I would have naturally assumed that that was because product B was having trouble making the grade. Is that your opinion or is there something else that we need to be paying attention to? That's a way of saying, hey, she gets this. I'm demonstrating that to my stakeholders. She's genuinely asking the question, but we need to give women that same opportunity to demonstrate that they are contributors to the organisation moving forward. So that's fair. So fairness and equity is at the heart of this. And equity, of course, is not giving everyone the same thing. Equity is saying, you know what, in the 407 town halls we've already had, we've had 407 times where all of the guys ask the questions. So, for the next 10 town halls, we're only going to take questions from women, people of color, other underrepresented groups. Boom. That's an equity play. It's really simple to do. And it is really, really powerful.
1: I want to tack on to that and share one of our members, Amy. Shout out to Amy. She made a comment on this thread where we're talking about uh, speaking up and asking questions. And Amy said, I always recommend training men on how to be inclusive speakers, moderators, and participants. Men need to hear from other men and not just women that these behaviors are not appropriate or acceptable. And the burden of changing the culture needs to not fall only to women and other marginalized people. And she's spot on with that. 100% spot on. And she's right. The burden of inclusion
0: is so often placed on the excluded. So no, men, you get so much information. Hey, you got to be a great male ally. Mm -hmm. This is how to be a male ally. Make space for her to speak. And it's not just on the panel, but it's in the questions and it's in the responses and all that kind of stuff.
1: Right. Going back to moderation, I'll throw in a little story. You don't have to be Rude or sharp to do this. One of the best examples I ever saw shout out to Vanessa in my network. If you're listening and you're in the water industry, you may have heard about this incident, but this was a while ago at a conference. And someone got a hold of a mic and was monologuing and really turning the discussion down a negative path. I can't even remember what they were blabbering on about, but Vanessa just The way that she does with a smile, took the mic and said, you know, I'm so sorry we don't have time to go this deep into this discussion right now. We've got to move on to this next thing on the schedule. Thank you so much for contributing. And we moved on. And she handled it with authority and with grace. And that was a great lesson for me in seeing someone really practice leadership in an authoritative but kind way. Yeah. And I must admit, I will,
0: depending on the audience, but I'm, I'm usually I like to wind humour in. So when I have someone who's, a, you can see them winding up for a long, I'll just go, I'm so sorry to speak over you, but I know that you're, what you've got to say is really important. You and I are going to have a conversation after this, but we know that these forums can't solve world hunger and I suspect you've got a solution to world hunger. So let's talk afterwards and let's move on to the next question, section, whatever it may be. So winding humour in, but I agree, you've got to take control exert your authority as a facilitator and facilitator moderator means you are keeping things on track. And that's not just to blindly follow a a timing thing. It's also to say, how do we give the audience what they really need here? Do they need another manologue? No, they do not. They don't. And that's not fair. So yeah, those skills are super important. Love it. So I think again, leaders listening, ask yourself, who have I heard from? in my team, from my team in the last, just say the last five sessions that I've facilitated. Who have I heard from? Have I heard from the same people or have I heard from everyone? Have I thought about different methods for everyone to contribute in these forums? Remembering we're not all one homogenous group. There are some people who want to be able to submit a question with their name, have a question box, hey, Michelle Redfern's asked a question about blah, blah, blah. So Michelle Redfern doesn't have to stand up with a microphone in a big forum and whatever, but she gets her time in the sun. So have a question box, have different ways to harvest information. But as I said, stop, breathe, reflect. Who am I hearing from the most? Who am I hearing from the least? What am I going to do about that?
1: Brilliant. Thank you so much, Michelle.
0: No, thank you, Mel. And thank you for sharing your advice around moderating the monologue.
1: Thanks, listeners. We'll talk to you next time. Ciao. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lead to Soar. We sincerely appreciate your honest,
0: positive reviews. You can leave questions at leadtosore.com for Michelle and Mel to answer on future episodes. Until next time, we hope you'll use what you've learned here and
1: lead to soar.